was June 30th, 1859. There were thousands of people gathered as a rope, three inches thick, 1,100 feet long, was suspended over the rapids of Niagara Falls. You weren't there, I wasn't there, there wasn't TV to film this, so you're going to have to take my word for this, or you can go read about it. But this rope was 190 feet above the rapids. Do you want to be there? (laughs) And Charles Blondin, a French phenambulist, a tightrope walker, was going to be the first man to walk a tightrope across Niagara. So you can imagine what the atmosphere was like. And the only thing he had in his hand was a 38-foot-long balancing pole. So as he put his first footstep on the rope, you can imagine the air was electric. Well, quarter of the way across, he decides to lie down on the rope, put his balancing pole across his chest, and take a nap. What do you think to that? Pretty amazing. He seemed pretty relaxed. I don't think the crowd was, but he was very relaxed. Halfway out across, now he's right over the rapids, he pulls a rope out of his pocket, a little kind of cord with a weight on the end, and he drops the end down into where the rapids were, well, just kind of below where the boat was, and there was a boat, and some people filled a bottle of water, tied it to the rope, and he coiled it in and had a drink, a little light refreshment halfway across. Then he continued on his merry way, three quarters of the way across, he did a backflip somersault and ran across to the end. Can you imagine? The crowds were just beside themselves. That was his first of many crossings over the Niagara. You know, in 1859, there wasn't all of the TV screens and all the kinds of things that we have today that make stuff like that seem so, you know, we're so used to the unreal today. Our children, hopefully not our children, but children get to see all kinds of stuff on TV that's unreal. That when something real that's closing on the edge or almost unreal happens, they can hardly believe it. It's almost back in the class of all the other unreal stuff, the pretend stuff. This was for real. And so thereafter, every week, he would go across the Niagara, and he did things like one time he carried a chair, stood the chair on the rope in the middle of the, over the falls. This rope, by the way, would sway 20 feet up and down and in and across the Niagara. He put a chair, he stood on the chair and then went across to the other side. Another time he took a wheelbarrow, halfway over he had a camp stove in the wheelbarrow and he lighted it, made an omelette and ate it halfway across the falls. <laughs> I wouldn't have had good digestion if that was me. And he did things like he walked over backwards, he walked over blindfold, can you believe that? He walked over in the dark, he, wa- he did... Um, well, oh, he went over on a bike one time, and then his, his all-time stunt was he wanted to carry someone on his back and go across. Well, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be volunteering. And nobody was, but his manager thought it would bring in some money. Guess who ended up on his back? His manager, because there was nobody else. <laughs> and they made it. And, you know, Blondin died at the, the grand old age of 73 in London. He never fell into the deep, and he never drowned. But, you know, for him, balance was life or death, wasn't it? You really get a feel for that. When you look at some of those old black and white pictures they have on the web there, it was life or death. So is that the kind of balance we're looking for today? No. And boys and girls, before you go home and pull out a rope and put it between two trees in the backyard, would you please check with mom and dad that this is okay? Because I'm not saying this is okay. Mom and dad will decide with you whether that's okay. So, why are we going to talk about balance today? 
Have you noticed something that when you come to camp meeting and you meet all your friends and it's really great to meet everybody and, you know, one of the things we find ourselves saying, I've heard at this camp meeting, I've said it at this camp meeting, and we go, oh, how are you? Oh, doing really great. I've really been really busy. Have you all been really busy? It seems like every year, do you find you're getting busier every year? With each passing year, when you say the word busy, it means even something bigger and wider and taller. You know, one way that I've noticed is that how many of you send cards in the mail anymore? You know, Christmas cards, Thanksgiving cards. You know, years ago, we used to get piles of those, and we don't get many. And this isn't a sob story that you've got to write us and send us cards. I'm just saying that we don't do that anymore, do we? Very little. Because we're too busy. We don't have time to do that kind of stuff. Busy has become a normal way of life for us today. And you know, that is not an accident. That is a game plan, and we know whose game plan it is, don't we? Our enemy wants us to be too busy to have a vital connection with our God and our families. And if he can do that, he's a big success. You know, this, this busy ditch that we can fall into, we can become so busy doing good things, wholesome things for the Lord, but can we be too busy doing things for the Lord? What do you think? Most definitely, friends, that is a ditch that many of us fall into. We are burned out busy doing things for the Lord. The other ditch is that we just watch the grass grow and the snow fall. You know, a lot of people think in Montana, that's what we do. When we're not on the road, we just watch the snowflakes fall. And sure, you know, when I'm sick and I've been sick and I'm lying there, I get to watch the snowflakes fall. But generally, that isn't what happens. Friends, what we need today is balance. We don't want to be in either one of those ditches. We need to be in the middle of the road, balance. So how are we going to do that? How are we going to get that balance? Well, you know, God planned it so there would be something each week that would help to bring us that balance. You know what that was? The Sabbath. That's right. Created for us that we would gain that mental, physical, spiritual refreshment, that connection with him that we needed. But I want to ask you a question. I'm only asking, any question I ask you is a question I've asked myself or the Lord has asked me. Do we, can we honestly raise our hand and say that Sabbath is the most restful, peaceful day of our week? How many people would say that about Sabbath? And I'm praising the Lord that there are some of you that are saying that. But how many of us find that Sabbath is actually the busiest day of the week? We are involved in more activities, more things, and then when we come to Sunday morning and we don't have to go to work, we crash out to recover from Sabbath. Anybody experience that here? They know what that feels like? I know you do, <laughs> whether you're telling me or not. No, we need balance. We need it more than anything else in our lives so that we can have that connection with the Lord that we need to take us through what's ahead of us. So how many of you are familiar with what we call the eight laws, the eight doctors, the eight natural remedies? How many of you are familiar with that? You know what I'm talking about when I say that. What I would like us to do, we know the acronym New Start. I would like us to actually say those out aloud. So I'll start you off and we're going to say it together in unison. So the first one is nutrition. Exercise, water, sunlight, temperance, air, rest, and trust in God. Good deal, class. You've got that learned really well. You know, 
In the book Healthful Living, it says, one reason why we do not enjoy more of the blessings of the Lord is we do not heed the light which has been ple- he has been pleased to give us in regard to the laws of life and health. How many of us, we know, we know those eight laws, eight naturals, eight preventatives, we could kind of rattle them off, but how many, many of us can honestly say that we've given much thought to that this week? On a daily basis? On a weekly basis? On a monthly basis? Do we really take the time to think about that? You know, I was kind of contemplating it as I was thinking about these things, and I think there was a reason that God gave us eight laws. Eight. <laughs> There's a reason he gave us eight children, because if there were seven, maybe we would think, ha, huh, well, there you go, on Sunday I'll do nutrition, on Monday I'll do exercise, and on Tuesday I'll do water. Well, it would that work, children? What would be the problem with that? When you got to air, are you going to wait till whatever day in the week it's going to be before you do air? <laughs> it's not going to work. It doesn't last that long. No, God didn't plan it that way. It wasn't that we do one a day, and that's how it was. The idea was they would be balanced in our lives throughout our week, throughout our lives, each day of our lives. In the book Child Guidance on page 361, it says, Many... Even of those who profess to believe the special truths for this time are lamentably ignorant with regard to health and temperance. This matter must not be passed over as non-essential, for nearly every family needs to be stirred up on the question. So today it is my aim that you're going to be stirred up. Is that nice? You want to be stirred up? It's going to be nice. You're going to like this stir up. So we need to be stirred up, brothers and sisters, friends, on this question. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. We believe that, don't we? That's what we're aiming for. That's what we want to achieve in our lives. But is that really our experience? Or do we find ourselves compromising because there just isn't time? There's so much going on. I've got so many things to do. I don't have time to be thinking about, did I drink enough? Did I eat properly? Did I get my exercise? Da, 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 da. We know all the rest of them. There isn't time for that. In James 1 and verse 22, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Can we be self-deceived? Any one of us? Absolutely. I've been self-deceived many times. It's, It's kind of a comfortable thing until you kind of get an awakening for it, and then you have to deal with it. John 13 and verse 17 says, If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Children, I want to ask you a question. The word do or doing, is that an active word or a passive word? Children. It's an active word. It involves action, doesn't it? You cannot sit and do by just lying on the couch. That's not a doing. Well, I guess it is come kind of a doing, but certainly not the kind of doing that we're planning on talking about today. You know, we try to be open and vulnerable when we're in the pulpit because somehow, and particularly at this camp meeting more than others, we're for some reason stuck up here and you're there and it can sort of, you can get this mental picture that that's how we view things. Well, actually it isn't how we view things at all. We are all on the same plane. So we're just, somehow being vulnerable can help sometimes for people to feel like we really mean that when we say that we're on the same plane. 
It was a couple of years ago, probably even more than that, that I began to realize I had some issues with health in my own life, but I didn't really, to be quite honest, have time to think much about it. And so I didn't think much about it, and I kind of pushed it out of the way. And, you know, we were really busy, as we all are busy. And, you know, ministry responsibilities, and trying to run a home, trying to still grow a garden, can the veggies, homeschool the children, and do all those kinds of things. And as we would travel, people would say to me, I just don't know how you do it. How do you do all this stuff? And I would say... You know, it's by the grace of God. It's God that's allowing this to happen. And it was. And I thoroughly believed that it was by the grace of God. But I started getting sick. And I started not bouncing back. And it wasn't serious, life-threatening sickness. You know, food poisoning. We all got food poisoning one January. And come... June, I still wasn't well, hadn't fully bounced back. Now, I wasn't having the usual symptoms of food poisoning by that point, (laughs) but I still was not well. And then I would get, oh, sinus infections and a chest infection or a pneumonia or something. And each time I did, I just wasn't bouncing back. It was kind of pressing me down further and further. And I knew something wasn't okay. My mind began to be in a real fog. And if you're here today, you're in a fog in your mind, I really sympathize. And there is, I believe the Lord has answers for that. But that's a horrible place to be when you can't think straight. You don't know hardly what's going on. And I thought, you know, it's probably my age. 48, well, nearly. (laughs) Probably my age. Probably my hormones. You know, girls, we understand about all that stuff at this point, don't we? You know, they could do all kinds of weird things. And I kind of put it off that that's what it was all about. But it still wasn't getting better, so... We began to, oh, and another thing was that I noticed, and we girls noticed this, you know, the, the bathroom scale was heading this way. <laughs> it's just not a nice way to be heading, is it? Meanwhile, I was exercising every morning more and more vigorously, eating less and less, and my bathroom scale still heading in the wrong direction. That's another thing. It doesn't make you feel good, because now you know you don't look good either, and all of those things combined, it's just not a nice scenario. And so we began to try and figure out we need to do something about this. And we talked to doctors. You know what that costs? That costs money. So we did both of those to try and find the answer. Didn't really find any answers right off, did we? It was quite a while. And I can still remember the end of last year's spring season for camp meetings. We were at a camp meeting in June. And thankfully, that last year, my husband and I were in the pulpit together. And so as we were sharing, I'd get halfway through a sentence, and I couldn't finish it. I was just totally blank. Nothing would come out of my mouth. And he'd heard me say it so many times, he would finish my sentence. And that happened, I don't know, two or three times. And then, you know how much I love to have my children know where they are, what they're doing, by my side, particularly when they were younger. We were somewhere, and I had no idea where I'd left the children couldn't think where they were. In church, I went out into the foyer. There's my husband. They must be with him. He said, I don't know where the children are. And I felt sick. It's like, how could I not know where my children are? That's kind of where my mind was at. And so, you know, the Lord, and I don't want to go into the whole process, but the Lord led me to a naturopath who really has been very helpful, helped me to work through thyroid issues and adrenal issues and other kinds of things. And I'm not about to give you my whole sob story, (laughs) but... Right at that point, we were due to be filming the what's going to air today for the first time was going to be our first time at 3 ABN in like three weeks or something. And I knew I was in no state to go film anything anywhere. And so we canceled it, believe it or not. Even though we didn't know what that was going to mean, we just said, we're not, this is not, this can't happen right now. And the Lord gave me nine weeks at home. And in those nine weeks, I didn't do a stitch of housework, a stitch of cooking. My dear daughter took over the whole thing and I was able to get rest something I hadn't gotten in a long time. And you know, when we start to rest, 
Bible verses begin to come to our mind. And Psalm 46 and verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Have you done that in a while? Have you taken the time to be still? I had not done that. And now all of a sudden, I had to be still. And I knew I did. And the Lord began to talk to my heart. I began to realize that for years I had been burning the candle at both ends. We know the expression. We've done it as teenagers, particularly in college or whatever. But I was doing it on the road. And I kept telling myself, I'm doing the Lord's work. I need to be doing this. I need to be up till 11 o'clock at night. And I've got to get up at 4 in the morning and come to camp meeting. And I need to do all those things. And when I get home, the Lord's going to fill in the gaps. Does the Lord do that? Well, he does, and he had done for years, but all of a sudden it seemed like the Lord was saying, I'm not filling in any more gaps for you because you need to see what you're doing to yourself and what you have done to yourself. And that was a real wake-up call for me when I realized that I had kind of sort of brought some of these things, not all of it, but some of it upon myself. And so, you know, I was exercising diligently. I was eating properly but I wasn't getting the time I needed to rest and the time I needed to relax. You know, those eight laws, all of those are relevant. You cannot throw one out and think that you're going to now have the balance that God says that we need. And so I needed to put that right with the Lord, and I did. And I began to start reading through a book called Healthful Living. I know they actually have that over there at the ABC if you want to read that. It's a great book, and I did not know what the theme was going to be for this camp meeting either. But as I started reading through, and I'm going to share with you a few bullet, one-sentence quotes that hit me right between the eyes as I was reading this of, praise the Lord that he showed me these things to help me to bring my life into balance. And the first one, the health should be as sacredly guarded as the character. I want to say that again. The health, this is page 10, Healthful Living, should be as sacredly guarded as the character. I don't know about you, friends, but for some reason, I hadn't read that or it hadn't registered in my mind, but now all of a sudden it did. We are so careful to guard our characters, and we need to be. And all we're talking about over this week about character is vitally important. But do we tend to think about that in relation to our health? That's just something that, you know, that God gave us. And, you know, if we just kind of eat the right way and the right number of meals and, you know, we'll be fine. We'll we'll get along because, you know, we're doing all these things. And the Lord showed me that it needs to go deeper than that. As sacredly guarded as the character. Another one, it is easy to lose health. But it is difficult to regain it. Oh, yeah, had I figured that one out. And if any of you have lost your health, it is hard to get it back. Very hard. Another one, just page 30, this is, these are just all, I'm not going to give you all the page references because if you get the book, read the book, I think you'll be encouraged. I was very encouraged as I read it. If we would have health, we must live for it. Do we live for health? It tends to be what we kind of push in the background. God's taking care of that whilst I do all these things for him. He'll fix that. He showed me that it isn't always that way. It is our duty to study the laws that govern our being and conform to them. Ignorance in these things is sin. That was a big one. And there was loads like that that I read. And it's like, you know, I don't know about you. And this, this message is a you and the Lord conversation, not a you and me. But I'm just telling you the conversation the Lord and I were having. And I knew where I was in relation to that. I don't want you to go away thinking, oh, well, restoration are now into giving health lectures. This is not a 
health lecture. We have not changed our focus, but our health is so intricately entwined in our, the body-mind-spirit connection is so closely entwined that we can't try and live the one and, and ignore the other because the two are very related. And if we ignore the other as I did, it's going to come to the top eventually and say, you can ignore me no longer. You now need to act upon it. And so that's why I want to share. My burden really is that as I now, we're going to go into looking at the eight laws of health, breaking those down into practical, tangible realities that you can see where you are in all of this. Because I don't know, maybe you don't either, but the Lord knows where you are and what you might need to bring that balance to your life. So the eight natural laws, those eight remedies, they're great when we're sick, aren't they? When we're sick, we kind of make sure, okay, I need to be drinking my water. I need to be doing all these different things. But they're not just designed, believe it or not, for when we're sick. They are designed to prevent us getting sick in the first place. We have such a loving God that he wants to prevent us from having all these experiences. But we tend to forget that in the busyness and the push and the crush of life. And, you know, do you think the eight laws, the eight naturals, the eight doctors could help children? What do you think? Most definitely, if we bring this into our family in the balance that it needs to be, little people, well, little people, I mean, I'm talking little people (laughs) and big people, this is a huge benefit to the whole family. It helps you to be the kind of parent you want to be. Why? For a start off, your mind's a lot clearer. When you're in a fog, moms, and you're trying to deal with your child whose will has been crossed, it is pretty hard to do it in a Christ-like way. When the fog is lifted, it's like, wow, I can now see things clearly. I can see clearly what's going on with my children who did what you know sometimes it's hard to tell isn't it nobody did it (laughs) but there it is it happened and (laughs) nobody did suddenly when your mind is clear moms you have the insight very often that you can see a lot of what's going on and so home can be a happier place when our homes are a balanced place so I know that in your packets you have note-taking sheets I'd like you to pull those out if you haven't already and I'd like you to write down the side of the page, or if you've got it, if you've already written on your balance piece of paper, turn it over and write new start down the side, just the words down the side, because you're going to want to fill in things as the Lord brings them to you. I don't know what it's going to be, but I would like you, as we kind of go through these next few minutes, just to be asking the Lord, you know, as I get to nutrition, as we get to exercise, is there anything, Lord, you're trying to tell me about any one of these? And then you and the Lord take that away with you. So the first one we're going to have on our page is nutrition. You know, nutrition is kind of a touchy subject. People don't like to be talked to about how they eat. And I'm not about to get specific about how you need to eat. But Healthful Living, page 74, says one of the strongest temptations that man has to meet meet upon is on the point of appetite. As we near the close of time, Satan's temptation to indulge appetite will be more powerful and more difficult to overcome. Friends, it is so easy to buy junk food. Now, when we travel, it is quite a challenge to find wholesome food in the airport or wholesome food when you're on the road. And when you're on the road a lot, you kind of know what the options are already. It's very easy to go buy junk food. And so we tend to do that more readily because it's there and it's available and it's more attractive, it's more appealing. But, you know, Satan is his plan and it's the greatest, the strongest temptation that we'll have to meet. So we need to take it seriously. And, you know, we've been really blessed as a people, haven't we? We have great books like The Ministry of Healing, 
healthful living, counts on diets and foods, and there's many others that we have been given as a people to really get ourselves immersed in what God's plan was. And, you know, now this is, I've got this in case my pages blow away like Thomas were threatening to do last night. <laughs> this is my Kindle, and on here I've got lots of health books, lots of spirit prophecy health books. I've just been reading a book about the immune system because I'm needing to keep my immune system pepped up for a number of different reasons. It's been kind of struggling. And I was excited and grieved all all in one as I read this book because it was fantastic. But, you know, everything she was saying in this book was what we've got in those books. Ministry of Healing, Counts on Diets, Healthful Living. She's not an Adventist, but it should have been one of us writing that, shouldn't it? Friends, it's out there, and the world actually is picking up on it, but we can find ourselves complacent because we know all this stuff. And so because I know it, I don't actually have to do any of it, or at least not all of it, just some of it, So enough to make me feel like I'm doing it. Anyway, I'm just telling you where I've been, so I understand how that is. You know, in the great books that we've been given, inspired books, it tells us, and I'm not going to go to specifics on this, but it tells us what and when to eat. If you go there and read, you'll find out. It tells us how much to eat. It tells us what to avoid eating. It tells us how long we should be resting our stomachs between what we put in it and then the next time. And what to do between meals. All of these great things. Now, I don't want you to go off the deep end and leave here and go into some fanatical thing because you heard it at camp meeting. Restoration's into this now. Restoration isn't. We're trying to encourage ourselves. Not I'm encouraging you because I'm great and you guys need it. We are encouraging ourselves to go back and refresh our memories on things we may have known a long time but have kind of come dusted over as we've forgotten about them. So just be contemplating as we're going through these different eight doctors what there might be that the Lord's knocking on your heart's door about. You know, I'd been a vegan for 20 years. Oh, hey, pretty good for me, right? (laughs) But, and I thought I was doing fine with my diet. And then as I was going through all this health process last year, one of my test results came back. And guess what? It said I'm gluten intolerant. Friends, I felt sick. My favorite food is bread. Anybody who knows me, bread and potatoes. That's Carolyn's number one and number two. Gluten intolerant. I'd seen people that were gluten. I mean, Ned, bless his heart, I knew what that was about. It's like, oh, no. And I was actually pretty resistive. Didn't really want to hear about it. But anyway, I thought, okay, after about a week or two, I thought, I'll buy a book. You know, I've got to know about this. I can't just take it for some result that came back and told me this. I need to find out what all this is going to really mean, though I didn't really want to know what it was going to really mean. But anyway, I started reading the book, and I still didn't have the greatest attitude because I didn't really want to read the book. It was like, everything she says says that everybody has to be gluten intolerant. I didn't like that. But you know, the Lord, as our hearts are open to the Lord, he has a way of knocking on our heart's door. And eventually, after several weeks of praying about this, because this might not be a biggie for you, but it was a biggie for me. I'm just being very vulnerable and honest. And so after praying about this for a while, I knew what I needed to do. I at least needed to experiment, didn't I? Find out if this was the real deal. So come off of it and see what happens. Wow, friends, I came off of it. And after I'd come off of it, and then, then as I kind of tried it a few times thereafter and felt what that feels like now, you've been free from something and it kind of lands over you again, it was like, okay, Lord, I am totally convinced I need to do this. And now anybody, that, you know, I, know, I can see people here who I know are gluten intolerant, I know we can get together and talk that you try eating that stuff and you know what that feels like. You don't want to eat that stuff anymore because you don't want to feel like that again. It's a horrible feeling when it washes over you and you know you're, you're stuck with it for the next three days or so until it kind of lifts. So 
So am I saying now that everybody here has got to become gluten intolerant? Now that would be really great because then we could come to camp meeting and everything would be fine to eat. There'd be no iffy. No, I'm not saying that you better become gluten intolerant. You know, Healthful Living, page 78 says, people cannot all eat the same things. You're saying, praise the Lord. (laughs) Some articles of food that are wholesome and palatable to one person may be hurtful to another. So it is impossible to make an unvarying rule by which to regulate everyone's dietetic habits. So you can heave heave a huge sigh of relief. I'm not telling you that's what you need to do. But you know, if the Lord keeps knocking on your door like he did on mine, you may need to listen to him because I can honestly say I feel so much happier now than I did before when I didn't want to give up my garlic bread and all those things. And you know, it's not quite so terrible. There's actually good stuff out there (laughs) when you start finding out. You know, exercise. Ooh, this is one that you kind of just think it's about time you went to the bathroom right now because you'd rather not kind of, you know. I'm going to be really vulnerable and honest. This morning, I was tempted more than I've been tempted for a long time to skip my exercise. And here's the reason. This is a brand new message, never been preached before. I've got the cameras, I've got everybody out in the world wide web. (laughs) And I need time to go over this message, right? And I was like, Lord, I Today, of all days, surely I could skip my exercise. Anyway, the Lord and I had a bargain. He said, I tell you what, go over your message first and then exercise. Well, you're thinking, well, surely she should exercise first, get it in, and then, well, I did. I got up early, went over my message, went out to exercise, had a really great time out there, and praise the Lord, I didn't have to stand here and say, well, you need to exercise, but I didn't this morning. (laughs) You know? When I used to hear the word exercise, it used to fill me with this kind of dread. I mean, I really like to walk and to hike and to bike, but if it got labeled exercise, it was kind of like, ugh, I don't want to do that. And I, I felt like, as I was growing up, I had a legitimate excuse. You see, I'm a lefty. And in England, at least, the school I went to, they didn't take much notice of a lefty. So I was the only lefty in the school. So when it came to tennis or any of those kind of sports, the teacher put, you know, 99.9% of her effort with all the others because she had to. And then I would maybe get a minute at the end where she would try to teach the lefty how to do it, but she didn't know how to teach a lefty either. And so I found myself on the bottom of the pile on sports-related things, and it bore within me a distaste for anything labeled exercise. So I had a good excuse, didn't I? (laughs) Not really. Not really. (laughs) You know, there's many things I tried over the years, and... I bet you've tried some of those too, and some of you, and I know ladies, I'm not pointing the finger at you, but I'm just trying to enter into how that feels, because I know how it feels. It's a horrible feeling when you know you should be, but you can't get around to it, or you can't find something that thrills you every morning, and so it doesn't happen, and you come to camping year after year, and somehow one of us, some way or another, is going to squeak in the dreaded exercise word. So I'm just going to try and really relate to where you are. You know, healthful living again, page 130, there is no exercise that will prove as beneficial to every part of the body as walking. I knew that, but I hadn't read this. Active walking in the open air will do more for women to preserve them in health than any other means. Girls, this is you and me. 
And I had to read that again. Now, I was doing that, but it was like, wow, that is encouraging. Now, I want you to listen up here, though. It said active walking. That did not just mean, I like to walk, and I like to walk slow so I can look at the birds, and then I can figure out what they are. And, and, and that, but that was not the kind of walking that she's talking about. This is active walking. This is using a lot more than just your feet and just your legs. You're getting some motion in your body. You know, I tried it. So where we live in Montana, I like to get up early, and I like to exercise early, but there's a problem. It's dark, and we have moose, mountain lions, wolves. What else do we have? Oh, yeah, bears. <laughs> How could I forget them? <laughs> There's lots of things out there. And one morning I was heading out there, and the children, we heard this great kind of a noise of some big animal out there. This is a few years ago, and the children's eyes got huge. Mommy, you're still going to go out and walk out there? And I didn't really mind, but I thought, you know. And they were quite a bit younger. I thought, you know, I don't need to do that. That's not fair on them. So I didn't. So now I was down to no exercise again, having just thought I got somewhere. And so in my, in my kind of disappointment, frustration, whatever you want to call it, I got on my computer and I Googled walking, because I knew walking was a, an in, you know, a word I needed to use here for, for what the Spirit of Prophecy says. Walking exercise DVDs for the 40 plus. <laughs> I'm just being real. I didn't want some teeny bopper telling me how I was going to exercise, because that does not encourage you, particularly when that scale's doing this, and it's like you want something that you, it's going to make you feel a bit better, and they're kind of bouncing around off the walls, and I know I can't do that. So anyway, I'm just being really honest. I plugged that into my Google And lo and behold, there was a whole pile of stuff available for the over 40s (laughs) on walking exercise DVDs. Praise the Lord. Girls, if you haven't figured that, go plug it in. You'll find people like Leslie Sansone or however you say her name. There's different things in there anyway. So long story short, I found myself some of these DVDs. I got them and I I knew it said that quote, 130 Healthful Living, walking, active walking in the open air. Now, these DVDs are designed for you to do in your house, but that was not open air. And he said, in our house, we don't have an open air house. So what we do in the windows are open, but not in the middle of winter. Now, I'm talking, now there's another quote, I couldn't put them all in here. There's one that talks about even in the winter. Girls, I don't know what your winter's like, but we have two feet of snow back in our winter right now, and that means our winter. So I figured, well, the only way to do this is to take my laptop outside and go do my exercise with my laptop outside. And so that's what I started to do. And when I first started off, you know, I was just kind of doing a one mile. It was a real kind of slow pace and all the rest of it. And then gradually I kind of built up to more. And then I figured, hey, you know, this is, I was beginning to have fun. I mean, this was about four years ago. And I had never found anything for exercise that was consistent to, for me up until that point. So I was 40. I don't know, three, something like that. I was having fun for the first time in my life exercising. Can you believe that? So I got some weights and I figured, hey, and I'm not going to demo what I do, (laughs) but put it this way, it's active. My arms are doing a whole lot of stuff with different weights and I've had a blast ever since. So this morning when I was tempted to stay in and just get on with reading this, I figured, okay, I don't have as much time as usual, so this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to go out there and I'm, going to go, I'm just going to go for a short time, but when I, what I do is going to be even more vigorous than usual. I get even more of a sweat on. And, you know, because I like to get distracted from the fact that it's still exercise, 
I have a, I don't wear it now, I haven't got it on right now, but I have a cardiac watch that, that I can, you know, press on and I can figure out what my heart's doing. Because if I'm going to exercise when I don't really like exercise, at least let's make it be doing something. And it's, it's, you know, I can actually see that it's doing something. So I look at that and think, woohoo, my heart's up to, wow, that's really good. This must be really doing something for me. So that might not be your thing. I'm just telling you what the Lord has done for me. But I know do not give up your prayers because the Lord has a plan for you. It might not be my thing. You know, everybody has their different thing, but whatever it is, don't give up asking till the Lord shows you what it is. So, water is the next one. That's an easy one. Whew, we can relax a bit now. <laughs> now that exercise thing's moved on, right? Yes, we need to drink our eight glasses. I'm not going to go into detail on water. We need to be clean, boys and girls, every day. We need to drink our water and Water is a great natural remedy for many, many conditions, and there's lots that you can find out about that. Sunlight. This is my husband's favorite. Healthful Living 229 says, This is one of nature's most healing agents. And I heard him say, Praise the Lord. (laughs) You know, he really, and I know Elaine too, they both really feel the health benefit of sunshine. Just They can feel it. I can't feel it. I can go out there because I know I need to be there. And that's nice to be in the sun, but I don't go out there because I can just feel the benefit of sunshine. So if you're like that and you can take it or leave it, you better take it, friends, and get your, your daily dose when you can. In Montana, we don't get a daily dose, so we've got to grab it when it's there, no matter what's going on. I'm heading outside to get my daily dose of sunshine or my weekly whenever it comes. Temperance. That's a little sticky one too, isn't it, temperance? We're talking about getting our lives back in balance, getting that body, mind, spirit connection that we can be the kind of people that God would have us be in preparation for eternity. The definition of temperance we can find in Child Guidance 398. It says, true temperance teaches us to dispense entirely with everything hurtful and to use judiciously that which is healthful. You know, temperance plays a very big part in the word balance because we can become so imbalanced that now, we, now your mind goes, this is it, we've got to eat differently, guys, we've got to do this, and your whole attention goes on nutrition. Meanwhile, exercise and water and trust and all the other things go out the window. So within the message of balance, I'm encouraging you, don't just kind of hang your hat on one thing, but gain the balance that is to be found. Be temperate in all things is what we need to do. No fanaticism is what we're calling for. Healthful Living 198 says, diligent study is not the principal cause of the breaking down of mental powers. The main cause is improper diet, irregular meals, and a lack of physical exercise. Irregular hours for eating and sleeping sap the brain forces. Friends, just irregularity, period, saps our brain sources, saps pretty much everything from us. You remember what it said there in 1 Corinthians 10, 31? Whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. Not just what feels good right now, but everything needs to be done to the glory of God. So that temperance needs to be in everything. And you, you, you can put under your umbrella of everything what that means to you. So we talked about air, didn't we, children, and how on Tuesdays or Wednesdays we do air. (laughs) Well, thankfully, well, today's Thursday. I'm doing air. I don't know about you. You know, I was looking up there to try and find out how many minutes can we survive without air. And it seems like it was kind of, you know, a bit changing what they were saying, but between three to six minutes, 
You know, if you knew that in, in between three to six minutes you could step out of there and get run over and die, you wouldn't want to step out there, would you? It'd be kind of a scary thing, or there could be a mountain lion out there that was going to finish you off. But, you know, if you just hold your breath for three to six minutes, you're done. It's that close. It's that easy. We kind of take air for granted. But you know what? <laughs> We're not doing too good without it. We need air to survive. And, you know... I don't know, I think probably more so in this country than some others, we go from our air-conditioned home to our air-conditioned car to our air-conditioned office to our air-conditioned mall, and we just breathe second-hand air, used air, day in and day out. Now, maybe, maybe you don't, and that's, you know, the country living message that's going to be coming next. Hey, we need to be out where the air is pure and fresh. And if you know the stuff you're breathing in, is not the best, then that's another reason to be looking at should you be breathing in that stuff or being where you have to breathe in that stuff. Now, when we travel on the airplanes, we don't have a lot of choice. In fact, they have those little air blower things up above. I turn the thing off. I want air, but, you know, that's like forcing you to breathe in secondhand air. And I don't really want to do any more than I have to of that stuff. So it's not fun to do, but just think about how often do you get out there and just get a huge big breath of decent, fresh air? And if you're anything like me, you like to multitask, then, you know, the eight laws is wonderful because you can multitask on some of these things. If you go exercise outside, you're getting exercise, you're getting fresh air. If you do it during the day, you're getting sunlight or sunlight or sunshine. Then there you go already. There's three things that all happen at once together. Isn't that great? I just love that. So just look at ways you can cut it out. It really does help. Okay, we're going to look at rest now. That's sleep, physical and mental relaxation. We're not just talking about sleep. We're talking about other things too. Page 48 of Healthful Living says, Those who make great exertions to accomplish just so much work in a given time and continue to labor when their judgments tell them they should rest are never gainers. They are living on borrowed capital. They're expending the vital force which they will need at a future time. Friends, when we go into debt, it can be really hard to get out, can't it? I know we're going to talk about that tomorrow a little bit in one of the marriage messages we're going to give. But debt is a, hor- is a horrible thing. And when you're in there and you're doing everything you can to get out of it, it's tough. But you know, here we are, we're talking about going into debt. Living on borrowed capital. We're borrowing off ourselves. And that debt is just as hard, if not even harder, to get out of. When we have borrowed from our vital forces, friends, we're going to pay for that. It may not be right now. And I've told myself for years, I was doing okay. I could do this. This was okay. And I don't know whether it was, you know, going over the 45 line or what it was. But anyways, all of a sudden, I was having to do some payback. And the payback was painful. Just like it is when you go into debt and you're trying everything you can do to get out of it. Let's not go into debt. If you're not in debt already, health-wise, don't go there. I appeal to you, don't go there. Let's not live on borrowed capital. You know, rest is one of the greatest healing properties that we have. And, you know, you've probably heard how two hours before midnight is better than two hours after midnight. And I'm not going to ask how many of you do that. Well, we do that. 
Most times. Now, there are some times we're flying back in and it's midnight or we're sitting in the bottom of our driveway with a foot of snow that has to be blown out before we can actually get into our house. You know, you're getting to bed past midnight. But try it before and see. Now, don't do it for one night because if you try it for one night, you're going to go, well, that was no big deal. Try it for two weeks, maybe a month, and see what a difference it makes to your day. Early to bed, early to rise. It wasn't just some old wives' tale. It actually is reality. So, how much sleep should we be getting? Well, don't, you don't have to tell me, but <laughs> if you're an infant and you're not understanding what I'm talking about, because you're so young, between 14 to 15 hours a night or a day, <laughs> a 24-hour period for an infant is what they need. They need a lot of sleep. Toddlers, 12, sorry, an infant, 14 to 15. Toddlers, 12 to 14 hours of sleep. A school-aged child in grade school, 10 to 11, it begins to kind of drop down as they get a bit older. And for we adults, about seven to nine hours of sleep a night. You may say, oh boy, I need at least 10. Well, I want to challenge you. If you think you do that, there have been studies that have proved that too much sleep is as damaging as too little. So again, what do we need? Balance. This balance is in everything. You can't get away from the word. So just kind (laughs) of enter in with the word because you're not going to escape it. We need the balance of sleep. I don't need quite as much as my hubby, but other people, you know, need more. So figure out what you need and then the Lord can bless the hours that you're awake even more so as you do that. Mind, Character, and Personality, page 375 says, It is not work, but overwork without periods of rest that breaks people down, endangering the life forces. Those who overwork soon reach the place where they work in a hopeless way. Friends, we've been there, I know. I've been there working in this frantic way, just trying to get everything done. And it's the Lord's work, so I know that he's going to bless the efforts. Actually, we can be... We can be, I don't know the right word is, but almost shaming the Lord sometimes when we're working so frantically for him, but it's not in the way that we know we should be working. He can't honor us for that. He can't bless our efforts when we do that. You know, one of the things, it's not here in the notes, but one of the things in the summer when I had those nine weeks that I just needed to take time out, you know, we'd gotten flowers in the yard and different things, and it seemed like that was just another of my chores on my list to go water the flowers. And I'd run out there quick, did the flowers, shoo get on to the next thing. This summer, God just said, be still and enjoy the flowers. And rather than this becoming a chore, this was one of my jobs. I didn't have many because I needed to get that rest. But one of my jobs, one of my chores, if you will, was to water the flowers. But it didn't feel like one anymore. I lingered there and I pulled off the, the dead heads and I was able to be ministered to by the very things God created to minister to us with. But he, he makes the flowers, and there they are, and they're beautiful, and we sniff them as we're going running past. And he's trying to say, wait a minute, just stop a minute, and you can come and meet me here. Because that's what he designed it for. But we're so busy that we don't get a chance to be blessed by the very things he wants to give us to bless us with. So I want to encourage you, if you find yourself there or anywhere near there, the Lord has a plan. The Lord can turn it around. And he did. I'm a very different person than I was a year ago. I know some of you have you commented on that. But, and there's been lots of different reasons. But the Lord and his plan, by using his methods, it works, friends. I really want to encourage you. It works. Matthew 11 Verse 28 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
That's God's plan for every single one of us. Mental rest, physical rest, spiritual rest. But we've got to come. And we've got to choose, first of all, to allow him to give us back the balance if we've lost it or to just kind of brush up on it if it's beginning to fade on the edges so that we can then get to the point of rest. And the last one in those eight naturals, those eight health laws, is trust in God. Just as exercise, sunlight, and fresh air are somewhat inseparable, so are rest and trust in God. You know, it is easier to rest when we're trusting God, isn't it? We can have peace because we know he's going to take care of it. And believe it or not, it is easier to trust in God when we've come apart and rested because we can hear his voice clearer. Those two are inseparable. Stress is one of the biggest causes of ill health and death, not just here in the U.S., but throughout the Western world today. You know, if there was ever a time when we need to take the time to have our devotions with God, it's now. Don't allow yourself the, and I won't call it the privilege because it isn't one, but don't allow yourself to think that there is no time for me. I just have to quickly get up and cram because I've got to do all these things. And God, you understand because it's for you anyways. And there's no time to spend time with him. Friends, we are cheating ourselves when we do that. We're putting ourselves into debt. We're borrowing off of something we're going to have to pay back. And the payback on this one is a big one. Because we're not going to be where he is if we don't spend time with him now. We won't want to be with him if we don't want to be with him now. We've got to do that now. You know, I was looking through some stress and burnout statistics. Sounds pretty interesting, doesn't it? Stress and burnout statistics for 2007 said that three quarters of Americans have stress-related symptoms every month. So three quarters of the population could say they were experiencing stress-related symptoms in a given month. One third of Americans feel they are living with extreme stress. Half the population feels their stress has increased in the past five years. Now, you can kind of, you know, one, you can figure where if you land in any of those categories, maybe your stress levels have risen, but, you know, just kind of figure it yourself. And this was really interesting Money and work are the leading causes of stress in the country today. And this was 2007. I don't think we were quite at the same economic status or level as we are today back in 2007. Things were kind of reasonably rosy, weren't they, I think? But that was back then that stress relating to money and finances was high. What's it like now? It's way high. And in the workplace, it's costing the country $300 billion a year for work-related stress illness. Friends, we have eight doctors. It doesn't cost us anything in terms of this. It costs us something in terms of time and the willingness to do what it takes to bring the balance back into our lives. That, that blew me away, $300 billion on stress-related, on an employment-related illness. So to sum it up, Healthful Living, page 10. The health should be as sacredly guarded as the character. Are you beginning to get a feel for what that means? 
You know, as parents, when you have younger children growing up, and for us, as we travel through airports, there are those TV screens. Didn't used to be that way, by the way. 11 years ago, I didn't remember seeing those things in the airports, but now you cannot hardly sit anywhere without being faced with one of these things. And we will, you know, we're going to go sit at the gate maybe for two hours sometimes. We've got a long layover. And we're trying to find a way to sit so that our children don't have to be bombarded with that garbage. I hope you would do the same thing. We're guarding our children. But friends, as much as we need to do that, we need to as sacredly guard our, sorry, the health should be as sacredly guarded as the character. Don't forget that your health is sacred and you need to guard it and so is the health of your children. In closing, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, it was a big price, wasn't it, friends, that we were bought with? The price of the blood of the Son of God. For you, for, if there was only one of us in this room, it would have been for you. That price. So, in view of the price, that's on the one side, it's nothing by comparison that we can do to glorify our bodies, which are His, because we have been bought with the price. And so, I don't know what you've got on your piece of paper. I don't know what you and the Lord have been talking about. And that's not, I don't need to know that. But I just want to encourage you, as the Lord has encouraged me, that we need to take the time to ensure that we have the balance we need. Not because it's a salvation thing. Not because I'm working my way to heaven. Because I can check off those eight things and go, yep, I did it today. I'm one. I'm making my way there. Because no matter what we do, friends, it won't make us there only what Jesus has done for us, but he wants us to have the healthiest, the most productive life possible in this world. And bringing our lives back into balance is the way that we can go forward with that. Why don't we kneel now as we close in prayer? Father in heaven, we thank you that you loved us enough that you gave us health at the beginning And that you've given us ways in which we can maintain that, to gain the balance that we need, to gain the connection that we need as families, as parents, as husbands and wives, as children, and as children of your heavenly kingdom, that we can have the balance that we need in our lives to live the most active, productive lives possible. Father, I pray for each one of us, not just for the dear people here and the people throughout the world watching just now, but for myself also, that we would move forward by your grace to find the balance that you have for each one of us. It's different for every one of us. There is no set regime, but each one of us needs to find it for ourselves. And I thank you, Father, for everything that you've given to us to make that possible. And I pray this now in Jesus' holy name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.